Hello, fellow travelers. This is David Woods, your host and trusted guide. Welcome to our little fellowship as we gather to discuss the Christian life in a post-Christian world. We are broadcasting from Babylon with love. In Greek, we have four words for love. Storge, S-T-O-R-G-E, means affection, the sort of love there ought to be between their relations. Philia, P-H-I-L-I-A, means friendship. Eros, E-R-O-S, is of course the love between the sexes. And Agape, A-G-A-P-E, is love in the Christian sense, God's love for man and the Christian's love for the brethren. On this episode of the podcast, Mrs. Hashimov and I continue our series on each of Lewis's four loves, and we are at the second of those loves, which is the love philia, or friendship. Uh, Laura, I'm going to ask you to get us into this topic of friendship and Lewis's treatment of it. Where should we start? I'm going to start with a quote from the very beginning of, of this chapter, He says, very few modern people think friendship a love of comparable value or even a love at all. Tristan and Isolde, Anthony and Cleopatra, Romeo and Juliet have innumerable counterparts in modern literature. But David and Jonathan, Pylades and Orestes, Roland and Oliver, Amis and Emile have not. To the ancients, friendship seemed the happiest and most fully human of all loves the crown of life, and the school of virtue. The modern world, in comparison, ignores it. We admit, of course, that besides a wife and a family, a man needs a few friends. But the very tone of the admission and the sort of acquaintanceships which those who make it would describe as friendships show clearly that what they are talking about has very little to do with the philia which Aristotle classified among the virtues. It is something quite marginal, not a main course in life's banquet, but a diversion. And I want to sort of start there and talk about whether or not we think that is true. Do we think that the modern world has sort of a friendship deficit? Do we define it incorrectly? Do we lack it? Um, are we missing something, as Lewis says we, we are? Um, and even, I think, in this, you know post-quarantine world, let's say, there's been a lot of articles out there about friendship, loneliness, um, and whether or not people are are satisfied in this area of their community. Mm. I think when we all sort of retreated into quarantine, people missed things a lot, but then there was often, in the past few months, there's been some, you know, hot takes about how, you know, actually it's better to this was a good chance to filter out your friends or this is a helpful time to decide who you really want in your life and all these things. Um, Even this survey created some buzz that came out in May and it was comparing the question from May 2021 to a Gallup poll in 1990. And they asked people how many close friends, not counting relatives, do you have? And in 1990, 3% of people said, I have no close friends. But in 2021, 12% of people said, I have no 
close friends. And I don't want to read into that too much, but that that's a 9% jump. That seems pretty significant that 9% of people you ask would say, I have no close friends. Um, so what do you think, David? Do you think that the, is this something that is just an overblown talking point? Um, or do you think there really is a friendship deficit in our life right now? Well, I think the hour or, or the we is one of the key things. You and I uh, sort of straddle a few different worlds, and one of those very distinct worlds is the world of a teenager, the world of a high school student, in which friendship is life. I mean, you know, which it's like make or break, but it, it, there's very few high schoolers that would think it doesn't matter if I have a close friend. It, it, it tends to be one of the, if not the most decisive thing on someone's sort of emotional, you know, well-being that day or that week or that year, right? How was your school year? It kind of is a review quickly in the mind or the heart of, well, what kind of friendships did they hold together? Did they fall apart? Where was the, the drama of people who were supposed to be my friend or, or do I feel alone? Mm-hmm. I feel like our students are extremely keyed into the value of this. And I feel like adults in general kind of pat that on the head and say, well, that's, you know, the emotionalism and the drama of being a teenager, right? right? And that friendship somehow, whether intentional or not, has been sort of relegated to the land of the very young or of the impressionable or of the not careered or of the not very responsible yet or of whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And it's certainly in my experience, um, going through the twenties and then the thirties, um, it certainly seems to me that adults are not good at Hmm. being friends Hmm. and that the older you get, the harder it is, the less excuses you have, the less reasons you might feel, the less time we make. Um, I, I would be afraid to think, but for the church, what kind of friendships, if any, I might even have. You know, I think we'll get to the role of the church in that, but um, most people don't have a church in the same Mm. way. And so I think the average person that's my age, let's just say, um, or or older, would have trouble naming uh, two or three really close friends um, once they've grown out of that season. I mean, I really Mm. think it is like... Like he says, I think it once in the ancient world, it was the, one of the, it was the highest. It, hmm. I mean, it was higher than Eros, right? Eros was, yeah, it's part of life and everything, but you really, you know, the, if you, the transcendent kind of thing is like friendship, you know I mean? Like yeah. the value, uh, in the ancient world, at least in a lot of the texts and the cultures we study, read and teach, um, it is the thing for grownups, hmm. uh, for Aristotle, you know, for Achilles right. and Patroclus, you know. Um, and that's not true anymore. I think it still matters to that level if you have it. And I think it is possible that you don't register that if you don't in the same way of how crucial the loss is. Hmm. Yeah. I hope that is growing, that the, these kinds of surveys, like even asking that question, means people have been starting to think about this more the last right. several years. So I think we're looking at it a little bit more. Um, and I think we're experiencing the fact that, holy geez, once you get going with job and family, if you, if you go in those directions with life, life brings you there, um, where's the time? 
it right. seems like it's a species of having a lot of time and not a lot of responsibility. And so it, it I think, got treated as sort of an adolescent privilege, hmm. um, but not a necessity hmm. for adults. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of it comes from, as you sort of alluded to, people maybe don't really know the value of what they're missing as well. So they're, you know, if you've only sort of had, as C.S. Lewis talks about, um, companionship, right? The, the people at the golf club, as he says, in the bar room, like you're just companions. You may be your work colleagues, right? Those are often companions. And if that's sort of what you equate friendship with, well, then you may not feel a desire to pursue something more deeply or be more intentional. And so, yeah, when somebody says, oh, do you have any close friends? You're like, no, but I've got a lot of, you know, other friends. I've just got a broad circle. However, I think when you have experienced the deepness of, of a true friendship that has sort of been tested and experienced over time, well, then it's hard to imagine not having it. Um, and so I think that's a really interesting component as well as when people don't really have a box or a category for it, um, then maybe they don't understand the attractiveness or appeal of it. Um, because something that an, an interesting, another statistic fully acknowledging the, uh, flaws of statistics here, but in this same poll from 1990, the people who said I have 10 or more close friends was 33% and now 13%. So I'm like, okay, are we, do we have less close friends or do we define it differently? Mm. Um, but still, that's a pretty 20%, a 20% drop in people who say, oh, I have 10 or more close friends. That's fairly significant, at least in the way we're discussing mm -hmm. friendship, if nothing else. We could say uh, in some ways, surely there is a link between Storge, which we talked about in a previous episode, yeah. and Philia. In 1990, let's just assume pre-cell phone, right. pre-some things, right? Pre-social media. Um, but we might also take for granted a little bit more of a uh, stable work environment mm -hmm. and a, a stable living environment. We talked in our episode on story about hypermobility, about people changing things all the time, not just workplaces, but by literally states or homes and certainly careers and churches and everything. I would imagine in 1990, uh, that was not at hmm. the same levels, right? For a variety of reasons. Um, I think I even can think of just my own family growing up and things like that. We were strange because we got transferred by my dad's job every few years. And right. I was always new uh, and people, there was not a lot of me in any school that I went hmm. to or in any group or soccer team or whatever. It was like, he's from out of state. Right. And, and so it was like, that's weird, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that was, that was part of, of life and, you know, it was interesting and it was funny and it was awkward and whatever. Now that's not weird at all in mm -hmm. so many ways. So even just anecdotally, yeah. um, I would imagine that if you lived in the same place, went to the same coffee shop, bagel shop, whatever yeah. we talked about before, w went to the same church, went to the same supermarket, went to the same schools, uh, grew up in the same town, you know, whatever it is, um, you would not all your storge is going to turn into philia, right? But but one can be and is likely oftentimes the context in which you actually discover 
these true kindred spirits because of familiarity or seeing them more than one or two or three or four times and discovering more and more of what might actually be shared amidst, mm -hmm. you know, just knowing them as, as someone you interact with, mm -hmm. take away that context and you would have to be pretty darn intentional about trying to find or establish or develop a I mean, find a person. How does he define it? He says, friendship is it, the strength of a friendship makes it different from what you were talking about, com camaraderie or companionship. Mm -hmm. He says, is the strength or the difference of the object that is shared, right? Mm -hmm. The content right. of the bond of the union of the friends is the sort of strength or the, the power or the depth of the thing that they share, right? So you could try to just go out finding people who share this thing. But I would imagine just in normal life, you know, a few decades back, um, you would find those people very occasionally, but you would find those people because you would more likely be around groups of people over time in which you could discover that those interests were shared. Or you could be at the church long enough to find, man, there are some people who are like really deeply holding certain things. It's not necessarily everybody who goes or attends a church, but there are some who have experiences and lives with the Lord that are just like so resonant with where I've been. Right. You wouldn't get to that conversation right away. No. But over time, with mm -hmm. that kind of familiarity, fondness thing, I could see friendship uh, growing in those contexts maybe more, more easily. Yeah, Lewis's classic line, which I think about all the time, he says, the typical expression of opening friendship would be something like, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. And because when, when rereading this um, to talk about on this podcast, I found myself pushing up against the idea a little bit that, you know, he, he goes in depth about friendship is two people who's sort of focused on, on this other thing, this shared hobby, this value, right, that you're sort of working towards or looking at mm -hmm. a similar thing versus lovers are, are looking at each other, right? Um, and focused on each other and the relationship itself. But friendship is focused on this other thing. And at first I kind of pushed against that thinking, you know, no, no, not all friendships are around shared hobbies or shared whatever. But the, the more I've thought about it and contemplated it, even if it isn't like, you know, knitting or soccer or, right, I think that is sort of the the seed of all friendship is that moment of like, Oh, you thought that was weird? I thought that was weird too. Even if it isn't some obvious outside objective thing, mm -hmm. maybe it's just like, yeah, you're really frustrated at how people um, are careless with money in Orange County? Me too. <laughs> like, you know, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And so maybe you don't actually have a lot of hobbies in common, but you kind of see the world in a similar way. Mm -hmm. Um and so, I don't know, I've been processing through that as I've read through this, um, the degree to which, how much do we actually have to have in common to become good friends and, versus how much can just sort of emerge from natural time together, right? Of how mm. much can be built just from affection and being near each other, can that evolve into a friendship versus does friendship kind of require um, a little bit more intentionality or a different motivation than what comes from affection. Not to take it in a dark direction. Okay. Um, but, 
Let's but of do course, it. that's what that means. Well, okay. He, uh, so uh, as you were talking, I'm thinking, okay, my guess would be one of the reasons it's so difficult to maintain or develop really strong friendships as you get older, um, maybe, is because as you get older, you may you may not actually have a lot of really deep interests. Ooh. Okay. Now, what I mean by that is is, is this. Um, over the summer, Lisa and I uh, took the kids to Disneyland. Okay. Ooh. Wow, that's worth an episode, I'm sure. <laughs> and uh, was at some point, I think it was her remark, um, but it was, you know, super crowded, like, like old times, whatever. But she was looking around, she was like, it's like almost all adults. Oh, yeah. And and we're like, yeah, this is supposed to be like a place for kids. Like we're in line, you know, for an hour and there's no other kids in this line, like as far as the eye can see. And in my heart of hearts, I have a, a feeling, belief, theory, I don't know, that most people don't have a lot. <laughs> Woo, we, okay. are, we are getting to don't play. Don't have that much that they actually are passionate about as they get older. Hmm. Because I think passion can easily be directed at, I'm gonna perform well in school. I'm gonna get into a good college. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna get a good career. I'm gonna meet the person who I'm gonna fall in love with. I'm gonna have a family. And then, then what happens, right? Then, this is sort of Brooks's yeah. second mountain thing. Yep. That you get to all these sort of life achievement markers that are culturally like uh, familiar. And then you realize you might not be up to that much. You might, the highlight of your week literally might be watching the, the, the ball game. Right. And like all of a sudden, and, and, and if we live in a time in which Disneyland is like, is, is an overriding passion for grown adults because of a nostalgic connection to their youth they can't let go of, in part, that must mean there isn't a lot else going on that would push out. I'm not saying Disneyland's bad. I was there, and I enjoyed the nostalgia, People too. People are unsubscribing right now. <laughs> I, I have a very strong feeling that once we get through those first mountain achievement things, a lot of people discover they don't have deep passions or interests wow. for things. They don't have a deep telos for things. They don't actually, in church, outside the church. I, I think people have mm -hmm. stalled out in their faith at a certain age because they're like, I, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. I get it, you know? Yeah, or just the massive amount of, I don't know, of just stuff to to watch or consume that doesn't that's passive yeah I, I, whatever we're doing instead we're doing a lot of it but i have a sense that if lewis is right even where you might have pushed back of like the strength of the shared object one of the reasons it might be hard to be friends as mm -hmm. you get older and older is because you might not have a very strong feeling for any object wow you know like because you've you because maybe those strong feelings were directed at your career getting a family, f getting a house, right? And all those objects are in the rearview mirror or they didn't pan out the way you hoped. And so what is friendship formed around? You know, it's it can't just be like, oh, you have kids too. That's like acquaintance, right? right. That's companionship with yeah. a fellow mom or dad who like gets the struggle and that kind of thing. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about something that is like a transcendent. It like right. Aristotle, like it, it brings you to higher virtue of courage and Oof. nobility. Yeah. And I would look around and say, in general, culturally speaking, I don't think we even have those things in our lives that would inspire that kind of passion or those virtues as we get older. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so I have a sense that that is very much related to 
the drop off, the decline, the inability mm. is we don't have enough of a telos. We have a little bit too much nihilism in the system when we get past these markers that we're kind of just spinning the wheels. And so who, who would stand beside us and say, you two, I thought I was the only one. About what when you're, you know, in your 40s? Yeah. Like, what are you talking Watching about? Watching The Office? It just means, yeah. Yeah, there's drinking, a lot of people who do that. Yeah, drinking beer, going to the kids' games. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not to be unfair, but if this is a crisis and huh. and that is uh, a dramatic change from generation to generation, but it's certainly from era to era, yeah. um, surely the loss of a transcendent reality or the loss of a sort of certain kind of conviction of what life is about or for right um that it's not just about me and my success or my optimization or my achievements um i think it's it's finding us out when we're realizing that those things are no longer motivating factors they're certainly not the substance of the kind of friendship he's referring to hmm. yeah he, he says friendship must be about something even if it were only an enthusiasm enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice. <laughs> and then this is a, a classic line. He says, those who have nothing can share nothing. And those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. I, Woo! This brings I, up the dating conversation again. So I, many think people, that's, I think that's the heart of the problem. Right yeah. There. So many uh, people are are searching for someone who's going somewhere, not in a corporate America sense, but just are, are you traveling on some road? And then when someone comes back and says, not really, it's like, well, I don't really want to go with you then. Yeah. Lo like Eros Ooh. for Eros's sake is not right. All these things for their own sake in that sense, without any referent, without any tell us, without any purpose, I think there is a nothing. And I think there is a nowhere, um, wow. that we are experiencing as a post-Christian culture in particular, late modern West. I'm not saying that's just sort of a, the life of of pleasure or the life of it's not know, enough. Apathy. It's not enough. And so, so what it does is it does as much as it can do, and you get freakishly devoted and and camaraderie, you know, forms around your devotion to your team, right? But grown people, you know, like freakishly devoted to a sports team, you know, is peculiar, right? Like that 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 surely is as sad as it is uh, mm. compelling, right? Mm. Like that that's not much, right? Um, and and so I think that there is something about our passions, about what we're willing to worship or celebrate or get excited about, which is probably only a few things. And sports is an obvious one to think about um, because it's so obvious yeah. that people can get there. Um, but it's still, yeah, it's not a lot, right? Like that's not much. It, and, and I am someone who absolutely loves sports, played sports growing up my whole life, obsessed with Manchester United, whatever, all these kinds of things. Still, like that's not, that's not the shared object of the kind of friendship that inspires virtue. That, right. right? Like, because that might that, be super fun. Yeah. If that is the only thing the friendship is built upon, or like if that's sort of the idolized thing within the friendship, well, then, then they're, the friendship is, will dissolve very quickly. Right. It will. Like, um, again, just growing up um, with, with my good buddies from high school, it's like we were obsessed with sports together. It was super fun. We are obsessed with certain kinds of hobbies, certain kinds of movies or whatever, mm -hmm. music, right? You know, passionate, teenagers passionate about their music. Like, and, and so our friendships formed around like, you too, you too. Like all those things are true as like that mm -hmm. initial thing. 
And then as time goes by, I'm not like picking up the phone to like call them, you know, as right. time goes by, especially, you know, with my buddies, life brings us in different directions and the Lord called me to a much more, you know, serious place with him. And so those friendships are there. If I go back East, it's like old times, it's all fun, everything like that. But there wasn't enough there that we shared that was deep enough hmm. to be significant that would need to be held onto in a strong way. And, and, and I think we all felt that on some level. We, we loved being friends in high school together, but I didn't share, for example, I didn't share the Lord with any of my friends in high school, hmm. not one. And so there isn't the deepest you two there, there, there is only a, Oh yeah, and I I do this thing, and you know, like, and I, you know, right. Um, it may, became an awkwardness later on, a little mm -hmm. bit, um, or just a just a dead zone, you know. I didn't share anything deeper than our fantasy football league or whatever. And and again, in high school, it was enough on some level. It probably wasn't, and I, you know, I'm sure there's stuff there, but it felt like enough because it was so busy and it was fun, it was exciting, right? And it was central to, to my life and experience. But I think, yeah, like as life as life gets more serious and, and tougher things are, are experienced, you kind of find out who is able to, to go through that with you, right? And who's able to sort of walk through those seasons and who was like, oh no, you were really like, you were good for discussion on, on the topic of, you know, the latest scores and all that stuff. But now when I'm you know, struggling in, in my career or mm. trying to decide if I need to propose. It's like, they don't <laughs> have much to offer. Cause they're like, well, we just sort of talk about, you know? And so, yeah, I think that depth of soul as you age becomes more necessary because those questions come up versus in high school. I don't know. You just sort of <laughs> like you're dealing with sort of, you are often dealing with similar surface level issues. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think those who are able to find those deep connections in high school or in those younger ages, that's pretty amazing. That's a real gift. It is. And I can see it with our students. I can see both moves. I can see when a young person um, sees through the basis on which a lot of right. friendships actually work right. and is like, what? Wait a minute. This is not... Yeah enough this is not a thing and that student is often very lonely oh my gosh it's devastating and you yeah. can't fix it you can't you know like yeah you and just, you just look at the other ones and go you don't even deserve them you don't even know what you're missing <laughs> with this wonderful person um but it's true you see the moment when they recognize that coming right. out of middle school if you can survive middle school wow but coming out of middle school like people start seeing things and realizing things because all the friendships start shifting around and mm -hmm. things get exposed and whatever. And there's a hand, there's every year it feels like there's a handful who like get it and they see through it. And then they're completely alone for a moment at least. Right. In which like Do everyone they, else yeah. is like <laughs> excited about whatever. Yeah. And they're like, Oh my gosh, but a lot of that doesn't matter or it's fake or they're not even telling the truth, you know? <laughs> and maybe I used to not be, uh, it used to be doing all those things, right? Yeah. It, it's not even that it's like some judgy thing. It's like, it is just this lonely moment of recognition, I think, or a sense of what true friendship would be and then the recognition of its absence, hmm. right? And you do see it in a perceptive teenager or someone who goes through a little bit of something, maybe suffering or something mm -hmm. at an early age and a lot of people don't. And then it's like the disconnect is like a chasm. Right. You know, it's like, oh, they can't deal with this long. 
because mm. they don't know how to deal with this and there aren't these like deep resources to you know deal right. with suffering or things that are going wrong or um so yeah you do see it at that level absolutely mm-hmm. and it is um it can be decisive i mean when, when i'm involved in those moments at least as a teacher or you know pastoral figure or whatever you know i'll often pray with students like you don't need 10 no great friends no but to pray for one, if you could find one good friend, if the Lord could bring you one good friend, you could survive hell. I mean, like yeah. you could go through almost anything yeah. with one truly good friend. And and I'll encourage them that way, knowing that that might highlight that they don't have it yet, but saying you know, that is something to genuinely pray for, like you would pray for anything, right? Like mm-hmm. I can't imagine things being ranked much higher, you know, outside of someone's salvation than praying for one true kindred spirit, one true mm-hmm. friend that could go through life with the with you in these ways because you share the deepest kinds of things, right? You share the yeah. deepest kinds of loves and and hopes and whatever it may be. Yeah. To that point, Lewis says, um, he's talking about the, do we meet people by chance or are, are our mm. friendships faded and things? He says, but for a Christian, there are, strictly speaking, no chances. A secret master of the ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to the disciples, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, can truly say to every group of Christian friends, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. Mm. The friendship is not a reward for our discrimination and good taste in finding one another out. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each the beauties of all the others. They are no greater than the beauties of a thousand other men. By friendship, God opens our eyes to them. They are, like all beauties, derived from him, and then, in a good friendship, increased by him through the friendship itself, so that it is his instrument for creating as well as revealing. Mm. Woo! So, he continues, At this feast, it is he who has spread the board, and it is he who has chosen the guests. It is he, we may dare to hope, who sometimes does and always should preside. Let us not reckon without our host. Wow. But I mean, it, because you want to, I want to give some equation for good friendship. And I think there are, as he says, there are arts to the love, right? But to a certain degree, like I can't, I can't make somebody else be in this similar space spiritually as me. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't make someone else be committed. So there is a, to your point, a deep need for, for prayer and humility in that moment and patience. Um, if you find yourself in a place where you feel like that deep connection and that close friendship just isn't there. And that passage also highlights, though, the fact that it may be there and you haven't looked in the right way. Yes. Right. So, for example, um, it may not be the kind of person you thought would Mm -hmm. be your closest friend or the person who was playing the sport or who had a certain, you know, interest in music, it may, those things may have sort of misled or tricked you in thinking, well, we're supposed to, you know, like bond over the same exact taste and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. that might actually be the thing that's distracted you from seeing the person or persons near you or around you or that the Lord has brought to this table mm-hmm. um, of your life that you hadn't thought of in that way. But if you really think about it, even if they're 
lame or if they're whatever you thought, you know, mm-hmm. not too quiet or whatever. If you really think about it, you know, she or he, they really believe or share something that is most important to you. Hmm. And so it might also be the case that that is that that prayer for that one good friend is also a prayer that you would be able to see better hmm. the people who are mm-hmm. around you um, as as possibly friends that you didn't sort of have in that place or you right. didn't think in that way because the more surfacey things weren't shared objects hmm. or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I don't know about you, but my closest friends, we have the same, I think, deep core values, but on the surface, personality-wise, like, my closest friends are very extroverted, some of the most extroverted people I know, Um, and that is not how I, I can turn it on, I know how to play the game at this point, but... And I don't know if that resonates with you, of, like, your closest people on the surface might be surprising that it's like, oh, I didn't... I wouldn't necessarily see your personalities as compatible, but mm. now as we've lived life together and, and I've noticed it in myself, like, Oh yeah. Like I tend to just like side up next to someone who's the super extrovert and like I roll off of their energy. <laughs> and I, I realized that actually the most in getting married, wherein uh, two of my best friends who had never met before because they were in my bridal party, spent a lot of time together. And now I'm just like, the same you two are the same you just live in different states like and i just didn't i never saw you two together so now but it's like oh i i get it but you're very different from me and how you operate i i love just you reading that passage because this is with a challenge of talking about these things is it, it can immediately just sharpen the feeling of loneliness or despair right or man i'm one of those adults that really doesn't or I keep pretending like I do but those are clearly just acquaintances Mm -hmm. or companions who happen to be in the same phase of life and yet the hope again for the Christian is uh we have a sovereign God who who knows the needs Mm -hmm. of the heart and if this is as important as it used to be understood to be including mm-hmm. as he gives the some of the uh, analogs but you know scripturally the David and Jonathan or you know if you get these pictures um, you know of of close bonded people who would you know who would be able to go through all sorts of challenges together and you think of the early church and even if they're not all named you know you just if you know that this is good mm-hmm. and that the Lord delights to bring the good into the lives of those who are seeking him um, then it might not be just all this pressure on you to find or be this like impassionate, deep, per- you know, right. this could, this could like leave you feeling like you're hung out to dry. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, now I got to develop like <laughs> all these other things. <laughs> like I got to get some hobbies. What's wrong with me? You know? Yeah. Um, so it, for the Christian, the great peace there at any age is that the Lord knows and that the Lord cares and that the Lord wants the good and he wants these kinds of deep friendships in human life that he created them that they're not some accident of of things but that they're a part of how he provides for his kids you know mm-hmm. I think like we were talking earlier off off uh, the recording that my son is starting kindergarten this year and you know this last year or so Lisa and I have been like adamantly praying for a good friend, right? Mm-hmm. For, for our son. Yeah. Um, he's going to be out of the house, away from us. Oh, the world and oh, people and influence and all this precious heart. And, and we want him so badly to find 
a really good friend. And we're asking the Lord to bring him a really good friend. And we just know how unbelievably crucial that is. And as I said in the previous episode or other episodes, uh, probably just because of my place in life, how much more so our Heavenly Father, right? Like everything I think and want for my kids, it's not some strange thing to be able to reverse it and say, well, of course the Lord thinks of us and those he wants us to be surrounded with people who are a blessing and he wants us to have a good friend in our lives who we can connect with in these deep ways and he can and he does bring those things about um that that's not just some some lucky extroverts happen to run into each other because they're charismatic in some right. way right um and i am just regular and not like excellent at something and so i might not feel like i stand out to get attention or, or whatever so what about just regular people you know who secretly wish they had a really close friend like this it seems to me the lord is very interested in that mm-hmm. and in bringing that about or in helping us right. see those people right and, and i hope it, this doesn't come across as a abdicating responsibility or or like, you know, saying, well, just pray for it and it'll happen. Mm. Like, but I hope that it brings comfort instead to know that like your loneliness is seen and and heard by Christ and, um, his, his time on earth, you know, was involved both having people who are very near and intimate to him and moments of like profound loneliness. Um, and so, I think there are like there are practical things we could say um, about like how to make friends and but then there's also yeah there is an element of um, companionship that the Lord can offer in those seasons of isolation or or just those transition moments of like you know there's there will be patterns of of seasons that seem so social you don't even you can't see everybody you want to see. And then there's going to be seasons where you look around and go, where'd they all go? Mm. But I think if you can find that one or two people to be steady through those things, through the years, through the miles and through everything, then that can be really sustaining in the ups and downs. I also feel like it could be, whether it's for the teenager we were thinking of, like a student or whatever, but certainly also for adults, there's so much anxiety about what we're supposed to be how we're supposed to do this, how we're supposed to look on Instagram, how we're supposed to be perceived. It could also be a huge relief if Lewis is right and that it is like sort of the deepest held things that actually matter most in, in, in forming a friendship to be able to just say, what do I, where am I going? Like, what do I actually value? Mm -hmm. And if I were to actually stop and think about it, it isn't that, and it isn't that, and it isn't that. But I get so caught up in like thinking I'm supposed to or mm-hmm. or trying to perform something. Um, maybe there's a there's a huge burden that could be taken from someone to just say, where are you? What do you value? What is it that is at the core of who you are? If you're a Christian, you know, mm-hmm. the things of the Lord ostensibly are really the most important things. And then you're not looking for friends who are successful at this or do you're you're looking for someone who also loves the lord like that Mm -hmm. you're you're looking for the people who are traveling in that same way and 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 not having to necessarily match or equal or or do 
all the other things that seem to bring people together. Mm-hmm. If Lewis is right, it might also be this opportunity to, to not cleanse, but just sort of like simplify what we actually are up to, what we care about. Um, when you and I talked to you about like, what are we going to read this summer? And you mm-hmm. have that feeling of all the things you're supposed to do and then the things yeah. you actually want to do. Right. Deep down, like, I really just kind of want to read this or <laughs> I really love this, even if mm-hmm. it's not cool or it's not sophisticated or, you know, there might be something in that where it's like, you know what, in finding like a really good friend, it's also sort of knowing who you are, what you actually value most and where you're going mm-hmm. um and being able to see the people who who also have that uh, yeah. even if all those other things again don't don't seem like they're lining up or i always try to tell my students that and then hopefully this doesn't come across as too cynical but the people you're friends with freshman year you probably won't so freshman of high school or college right you're gonna find a circle and then three to four years later, you'll be like, well, I don't really talk to those people anymore. <laughs> Usually, I mean, often yeah. I've found that to be sure. the case because it's sort of that the people of necessity, the companions, you're around, like they live on your dorm floor. And then it takes a few years and it's when you graduate as, or, or when you're, you know, two or three years after college and you're like, okay, who's actually stuck around? Sometimes it is the person who had the dorm room next to you, but probably, you know, you found people who sort of, who, who fit that a little bit better because you're going to adopt the values or the desires or interests of the people around you just out of the necessity of being in a new place or, you know, um, so you're going to find yourself, yeah, like you said, involved in things or pursuing things or watching things or reading things that a few years later you might say like, you know, that really just wasn't me. I was just sort of of the moment. Um, that's what it took to fit in or, or to find community. And so I think that's, I think we have to give ourselves grace in that of like, yeah, there's going to be, it's a process of finding out what we value and what is important to us. Mm. I also think it's worth, you know, this has been one of our themes, you know, just in the conversations we've had on the podcast, especially, um, to make a comment maybe about, friendship and optimization right Mm -hmm. and to say friendship is not um uh, is also not instrumental Mm -hmm. it's also not networking Mm. um you know i you know it's maybe trotted out too often you know people will hold up the inklings and will hold up you know this eagle and child pub and this this golden hue you know of like this magical moment of tolkien and lewis and williams and and um and, and just say, oh, you know, there's this incredible thing. And, and then they wrote books because of this. And they, they did all these things. Um, but that that's like, that's not, that's not the point, right? Right. That's not what the friendship, it's not for mm-hmm. that. That's, it's not to do, it's not like, oh, I know. I need to get like really skilled fellow writers around me so yeah. I can really punch up my pros, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like that's yeah. not friendship friendship is that slow unstructured time with people who share similar passions and loves um and and that collaboration of souls that that kind of happens over time in a friendship um does impact you it does affect you a real friendship will shape you it won't it won't not affect you it's not like it doesn't have some influence um it's that it's not designed influence it's not Mm -hmm. some program uh, or some structured influence 
I'm going to get really close to these people <laughs> because they're as ambitious for you know exactly. money and success as I am. It's like, that's not what this is. And so I sometimes think we can misread the inklings and say, you know, the inklings, you know, the name is meant to be comical. It's like, we're just going to hang out after we're done teaching and maybe complain about all these papers we're grading. Like, you right. know, it's not like we're, we're going to form a group that's going to motivate, you know, some of the great novels of the 20th century. Yeah. No, no. And it, it, because if you, if you, if you make that your goal, your people will tell that you're just being utilitarian and trying to use them. It, it won't actually garner genuine affection for, for each other. And, but then it also, friendship does have an amazing motivating ability in the healthy sense of it. Like mm -hmm. it can become extremely motivating. I mean, this, this podcast as an example, right? The people you, a lot of the people you're having on are your friends, right? People, I would have never thought like, I'm going to be on a podcast, but because my friend has one, you're like, Hey, you should talk about things. You mm -hmm. have ideas. And I'm like, I do. <laughs> and so, so like you are helpful in forming my, like, no, I do have things to say. I have, I have thoughts, um, that I wouldn't have had solo, but if I had been like, I'm going to befriend David Woods so that I can get on his podcast. <laughs> so I can get all 27 people to hear what I <laughs> You know, but it would have had a distinctly different air. And I don't think you became my friend in order to have, it was just. Have a co-host. Yeah. I, I mean, who like, knows? Honey, I'm, it was I'm just. I'm missing a co-host. I, I need to sidle up. Well, you were just colleagues, <laughs> colleagues forced together. And then through the store gay, we're like, store hey, gay. we actually have stuff in common. Mm, it's all true. That's all true. And I used to, and Lisa knows this, I used to be like, oh man, I wish you know, every young Christian, right? Of I course. wish I had an inkling. It's like, I wish there was an, um, and, and then, and it would always be frustrated because I would go to, you know, seminary and it didn't quite, it didn't happen there. And then I'd go to grad school and it didn't happen, you know, there. And then I'd go to the PhD thing and it'd be like, it didn't quite happen there. You know, it would just always not quite happen. And then I realized like, yeah, it's like, I'm trying to like make something happen right. that just isn't And then exactly what you said, um, you turn around and you're like, Oh, that's in part, obviously what this is, you know, that's like, like having, uh, yeah. Hayden on, having you on, having Balmer on, having straight, <laughs> having like, you know, like literally just my people on this, in this place to talk and all this kind of stuff. It's literally, this is my little version of that without designing it that way, thinking of it that way, realizing even in part until you even just said it that way. Um, trying to aim at it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I kept missing. Mm -hmm. um, but aiming at the things I knew the Lord was calling me to and trying to do those things better mm -hmm. um, or whatever and live a life that honored him or whatever, you know, just living a life in a way that was aiming at things that I knew were good and true and of the Lord or whatever. Um, he, in his good time, I would say, frankly, 15, 20 years later than I had hoped, maybe right. even prayed, um, has brought about a version of that that, um, is really sweet to see that because, uh, again, it was more of a series of like, ah, uh, not quite. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can, I can totally relate to that as well. Just in, even in the church, right. You, you're always, I was always hunting for like the perfect church community and like, where right. is it? Am I going to find it? Right. But really, yeah, it just, um, the community of my church emerged over time, like slowly. It wasn't this prefab thing. And I, could just, you know, jump right into it. It was like, oh no, we have to, 
Or the same with our, our book club is in a really sweet spot right now where we've been cruising for a while and it's people have filtered in and out and it's like, oh, this is like a really rich community and we didn't do it intentionally and we just wanted to read War and Peace together and Amen. then 10 other people were like, me too. Yeah. You do? We thought we were definitely the only one. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's so that's so true. And, and, and the Lord is, and the Lord knows, you know, he knows how to encourage those things. But to know that you can, you can move forward in life with things that you simply love and value mm -hmm. and that th this may end up being one of the great byproducts. And then it end up, and then once it's, it's not a byproduct at all, it becomes influential it becomes like, right. man, I, you know, it's so funny. Gosh, I'm thinking about this now, but several years ago, three or four years ago, um, pastor John, pastor of Zoe church, our, our little church here, um, it, intro to one of his sermons talked about, um, uh, one of the books uh, that was written recently about the Inklings and, and about the spirit of collaboration. And I knew as he was giving the introduction, I knew that collaboration was like a thing the Lord was like telling me to pay attention to and to think mm -hmm. about and to be more intentional about. Always had flown solo, pretty independent, always just doing whatever I was doing, wherever I was doing it. Um, but the interest in collaborating with other people, um, I just knew in the moment as he was preaching that sermon, however many years ago. And I was like, oh, the Inklings thing, that's always a source of sad frustration, you know, <laughs> whatever. Like, I, I remember that whole thing happening in five minutes in my mind. And then I remember him talking about collaboration. And, and, and I remember the Lord, I remember feeling that the Lord was just like, I want you to think and pray more about that, that that should be a focus of you. And at the time, didn't have a steady career job yet thing, you know, was coming out of grad school and was like, okay. Um, you know, church was pretty much the same kind of thing and I had a good rhythm. But I remember just the last few years thinking collaboration, collaboration. And so even in thinking about whatever podcast, it wasn't like, I, I got some things to say. It was more like, I've been saying way too much anyway, um, in every area and probably still in the podcast. But it was like, I want to bring together people to hear from other people and to see what happens when we talk mm -hmm. that might be different than what you independently thought, I independently thought, because there's something about that that is incredible, that is sort right. of magical. I mean, it really is like we think and feel maybe similar things, but having a conversation about them mm -hmm. draws out from both of us and from any of us. Um, things that were not otherwise going to be drawn out that way. That's mm -hmm. one of Lewis's great points about yeah. true friendship mm -hmm. is isn't just matching. Oh, right. you two, you two, you two. It's like, and then something new is like drawn out of you mm -hmm. and appears because of that interaction. Yeah, yeah. My My husband has a very strange gift, very rare gift, where he likes bringing together groups of people who don't know each other, which is <laughs> uh, not, not my impulse, not the impulse of many people I know of like, Hey, let's invite this couple over for dinner and this couple over for dinner. And they've never met each other before. And I'm like, why would we do that? Sounds they almost don't... devious. Yeah. <laughs> but he, or he, he delights in like, I'm going to take this group of work friends and then this group of church friends and we'll all watch a movie together. I'm like, what? <laughs> but, um, but I'm so grateful for it because it, it is showing that, I don't know, there's more at work here than just our little comfortable circles or our individual ideas. Um, and that like having people in conversation across different 
spheres like can open them up for friendship that they didn't know would happen or or just ideas or I don't know there's but it's it's surprisingly rare and it, it was sort of shocking to me at first and still is but and now that I've seen it in action I'm like oh this is pretty delightful like I this is that. actually what we I, th- I, th- I think are co- sort of lacking is that like hey let's all collaborate or let's all we're so jealous of our little spheres and scared mm. to lose people mm. or um, that we often don't extend out. Um, and so that's been a big lesson for me recently of like, no, actually things can get richer when you involve other people mm. and when you let other people into your ideas or, or schemes. Well, and this is what Lewis says about philia, about friendship, is it's not necessary. Yes. Right? He says, um, obviously, eros is necessary or nobody would be born. Uh, Storge is necessary and nobody would be reared, right? Raised because it would be, <laughs> be abandoned quickly. Yeah. Um, but friendship, philia, is this thing that is not necessary. It's not like, oh, without that, you're going to die. or Without mm-hmm. that, you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to live and support yourself. Um, and because it's not necessary, we often don't pursue it try to develop it experiment with it like mm-hmm. he's like he's yeah. doing you know like i just see but like that's like you know he's like the midwife like there he's yeah. bringing something to life that um we, we're all fine we, we know what we do like we you know we get in our habits our routines especially as you get older it gets more and more set in our ways more and more in our ruts um you know or at least our patterns um <laughs> whatever they are um and yet you know you start with that survey or like what COVID has felt right. like people suddenly look around and this is happening with work and all sorts of things. They suddenly look around and they're like, I'm who, missing something. Like yeah, what? Who, are my, who are my people? Yeah. Um, why am I, why am I working here? Why, why am I not doing this or doing that? Mm-hmm. People are asking big questions because so much was, was simplified or stripped away. Um, and it's a really good question when you say, okay, yeah, it, it's unnecessary in this sort of like, materialist sort of you know biological sort of you know like bare life kind of but that's not the life we're trying to live right we're, mm. we're, <laughs> we're called to this transcendent life where the good the true the beautiful like may not seem necessary to the 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 everyday materialist sort of secular kind of vibe that we buy into as much as anybody else mm-hmm. as christians um and I love that, that it's, it's this thing that he doesn't need to do that. And mm-hmm. everyone's fine if he doesn't because mm-hmm. everyone clicks into their own little spheres and their own little things. And it doesn't seem necessary. And yet. And yet. And yeah. yet. That's what gives it the meaning and the beauty and the life. And it's and, and the perseverance. Kind of yeah, yeah. Like it, it helps, you know, in the perseverance through those things. What happens when friendship goes wrong? When friendship goes wrong, um, pride comes, I think. What does Lewis say? He discusses that it can lead to exclusivity and and it will keep other people actively out. Yeah. Um, Which is, I think we've all sort of experienced some of that. He says the transition from individual humility to corporate pride is very easy. Um, the idea of, you know, we are, we are in the circle. He talks about this a lot in his article, The Inner Ring. Um, but like we are inside and you are outside 
and you wouldn't understand what um versus he says that a true friendship like a true godly friendship is eager to incorporate more people mm, which is quite like a that. conviction yeah it is uh but friendship gone wrong is going to be very exclusive very jealous um it's going to be exactly what we were talking about sort of elmar playing with disrupting a little bit right that self-satisfied we found our we found our we're actually good right we love your little episode on that and we're like it just reminded us how great our little crew is right <laughs> yeah um and we don't need anybody else and we don't need to change whatever and um yeah he gives great examples about like how thieves or <laughs> or right. aristocrats are mm-hmm. really loyal and good friends to each other meanwhile doing terrible things to other people or mistreating all to other people uh-huh. but like they have their their thing and everybody else, you know, be damned. You know, it really is that that vibe, which, of course, as you're saying, uh, shows up in articles, but also in that hideous strength. And you get you get all these weird, you know, little possible versions of that. But true friendship has an openness. It is never simply enclosed, right? Mm-hmm. It is never uh, shut off to others. This is sort of what high school looks like that, right? You mm. find and you lock in and then you shut out. And part of defining your friends is who you're not friends with and who you don't hang out with and who you refuse to hang out with and mm-hmm. who you would never, you know. Um, and yet, surely adults do the exact same things, maybe a little more politely or a little more subtly sometimes. Um, but, but yeah, locking in, self-satisfied, um, losing, what did he say, humility? Mm-hmm. Um, losing humility. Yeah, he says you can become... A little self-elected and therefore absurd aristocracy basking in the moonshine of our collective self-approval. They're just sort of like, well, how great are we? Aren't we so great? Look at us inklings. It'd be better if more people were like us (laughs) and understood us. Um, And so, yeah, I I think those are the biggest dangers of to to friendship um and then when because when it veers into the jealousy of if somebody tries to step out or or leave the group or join the group then the walls the walls go up if one of your friends makes another friend (gasps) and it's not a friend you made all of a sudden you feel like you've lost a little bit of them right Uh and lewis's famous phrase keller would repeat often in many sermons um, was that when Tolkien died, um, he thought it was devastating, but he, one of the things he could be consoled by was that within their group of friends being reduced by this, this great friend of theirs, they would be even more intensely like Mm. given to each other. Mm. And yet what he found was the loss of Tolkien was a loss period. That um, there was something about each one of them being in the group that no one else could draw Mm -hmm. out of the others. And that it wasn't that they got more of each other. It was that Mm -hmm. they all got less of each other because he was gone. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, for 15 years has like stayed with me as like counterintuitive and then so obviously true in, Mm -hmm. in, in a way that if you are not open to friendship open to another right or, or whatever the case may be if you have this mentality of scarcity there's a hundred right. friendship points That's it. and yeah. i have 80 and i can't give up any of these mm-hmm. uh, i can't give 20 to someone it, that it doesn't work that way right that, you know it, it doesn't 
it's not the case that you ask a parent like which child do they love you know more and they just say I, you know i love them what are you talking about it mm-hmm. isn't a scarcity model of affection or of connection um more is more and we all know okay you can't have 5000 friends and social media is fake we, you know like, right. that's been done to death and i get that and i know we all need to keep learning that because it still plagues us with anxieties mm-hmm. and stuff but but there is something in which more is more and mm-hmm. surely that's you know I, I forget who pointed it out it might be him it it, it might be him in this in this uh, essay but um the love that is most resembled in heaven is friendship. Yeah. Eros is gone. Right. Right. Storge in some sense is also kind of different or gone. Mm. It is friendship that will define the communion of God's right. people with each other for eternity. Yeah. As all of our eyes are on the same thing. Yeah. For, for eternity. As the light of the lamb in the center of the city, um, that it will be friendship. That is like the prevailing, kind of shape of love in the kingdom of God and Mm -hmm. that it feels unnecessary now or a creature of adolescence maybe um, or something we think about and it's sad sometimes or whatever but don't have a lot of time to develop when we get older and older Mm -hmm. Um, and yet more is more right and that that's actually the trajectory of our loves is being drawn into friendship with God and with each other Mm -hmm. Um, I know that's a big whatever but any any last thoughts for for the peoples on on philia on friendship i suppose for those who are are wary of friendship or deep friendship or attachment feeling like it would tie them down um or you know that that creating deep bonds is is restrictive um i would encourage you to think about the opposite <laughs> think about the way that um connecting deeply to a place and, and to people is actually uh freeing and, and allows for um a richer life and then for those who see the significance of those deep relationships and friendships but can't find it um don't lose hope and and persevere because you value a good thing. And so um, I think there's more to be said on on friendship, definitely. But um, whatever camp you find yourself in, like, may we all strive to be more more constant and compassionate in in the relationships we we have um, for the intentional purpose of glorifying God and and knowing that these are the people we will be with for eternity Mm. and continue continuing to foster those deep relationships in the next. Mm. Laura, thank you for your friendship and thank you for this conversation. Thank you, David. That's our time, my friends. If you would like to support the podcast, please do subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And if you would like even more content and to become a patron of the podcast, head on over to FromBabylonWithLove.com, click on newsletter, and sign up there. 
Until then, many thanks to producer Zach Leach for all the twists and turns, and to Lonesome and Muddy, the only house band that'll survive the apocalypse. This has been From Babylon with Love.